Well, when we trust Christ as Savior, not only do we have eternal life, I mean, the moment we believe we have eternal life, we're in the process, which is called the Christian life, which is growth. And that's why in 2 Peter 3.18, it says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so we're to grow as newborn believers. First Peter 2.2, 2, as a newborn believer, desire the sincere milk of the word. We're to grow. Hebrews talks about that we go on from from being immature to maturity, and that's, that's, the, that's the plan. And the problem is that I see, <clears throat> is, and it was me for many years, I mean, I trusted Christ when I was 19, <clears throat> sorry, I trusted Christ when I was 19, <clears throat> I did not start growing until I was 25 or 26. And that happens a lot of times, and sometimes believers believe, you know, they trust in Christ, and they never really grow. And so it, that, that's a sad thing. And so what, we want to grow. We want to produce fruit. We want to do all those things. And so this morning, we're continuing as we're looking at, we have seen the shepherd and the sheep. That was salvation. The bride and the groom, that's relationship. The last Adam, that's the new creation. And then the great high priest and the priest, we've seen how that tied together. Well, we're going to see that Jesus is the true vine, and we are the branches. And the emphasis is growth and producing fruit. That's the thing. So in John 15, that's where we are. And let me just remind you of something. In John 14, Jesus told his disciples he's going away. Now you think this is, this is going to be really sad. And it is. That he's already told them and they're already upset about it. And in John 14, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it wasn't that way, I told you. Go to a prepared place for you. When I get it ready, I'll come back and get you. And there where I am, you'll be with me also. I mean, he was telling them that. And, and so they're all kind of upset and sad. But then he says, listen, the, the key thing is I'm going to be here. I'm going to be in you. I'm going to be connected with you. There is a connection. And that's why he basically says in John 15, I am the vine. My father's the vine dresser, and you're the branches. And so we're going to see how that ties together. So in John 15, he's going to be talking about connecting with him and producing fruit. So we'll, we'll see that. So look at John 15, verse 1. What does he say? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. He's using a, a metaphor. There, he says, I am the door. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the true vine. Now, why would he say, I'm the true vine? What, what, what is that? And well, the truth is, in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was called the vine the vine of God, and the nation of Israel failed, didn't do all the things it's supposed to do, and that's why in Isaiah 5 and Jeremiah 22, you'll see things about the, the nation of Israel called the vine. Well, he's the true vine because he does what is right. He's contrasting with the nation of Israel who failed, but with him who does what's right. Now, as we look at this passage, we need to go over a truth that we all know, but it is the truth of this, that the difference between union and communion, relationship and fellowship. Okay, they're two different things. Some people mix them up. They're two different things. Here's what we think about. Union is our connection with Christ. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you are placed in union with him. That's eternal life salvation. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 basically says we are baptized into Christ, which means we're in union in Christ. This is an eternal relationship. Communion has to do with fellowship. And after we are placed in Christ, we're supposed to be in fellowship with him and stay in fellowship with him. And the word that the Bible uses a lot for fellowship aspect is abiding. Relationship, our union never changes. The moment you believe in Christ, you're in union with him and you're saved and you're saved forever. But our fellowship, our communion can change. 
And as we look at John 15, and as we talk about this, we're going to see that the key word in this passage is abiding, because abiding has to do with fellowship. Let me show you something that you might not have thought of. When you, when you look at the Bible, you say, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. There's four Gospels. And some people don't know why there are four Gospels. I trusted Christ when I was 19. I had a roommate friend that, that he was a Christian, and he didn't really know very much. And I had read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I came to him, and I said, you know, I'm reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they, they all seem to be a lot alike. Why are they a lot alike? And he said, God didn't want you to miss it. Well, you know, which is not exactly true because Matthew presents Jesus as a king and Mark presents him as a servant. Luke presents him as a man and John presents him as God. And so there are different things. But John, when he's talking through his book and the, almost the whole purpose of the book, if you go to the end, the whole purpose of the, purpose of the book is you'd realize who Jesus is and believe in him. And by believing in him, you'd have eternal life. John uses the word believe 98 times in this book. In this book, 98 times. So he says 98 times in these 20-something chapters that you believe in him and you have eternal life. When you get to John chapter 15, he changes. He uses a different word. He uses the word abide. And in this one chapter, he uses abide 10 times. Whenever he wanted to talk about eternal life salvation, he uses the word believe. Whenever he wants to talk about fellowship and growth, he uses the word abide. And so the key word in this whole thing is, and basically he, he says, uh, I, don't know if it, I clicked it, but I don't think it's working. Let's see. There it is. The word abide means to remain. It means like we would say this, stay in fellowship. Let me ask you a question. Do you have to stay in relationship with Jesus Christ? No, you do not. Your relationship is eternal, right? He places you in Christ. Who's holding on to you? Are you holding on to God or is he holding on to you? He's holding, can you, anything pluck you out of his hand? No. So when we say, do we have to, you know, keep our, our relationship with him? The answer is no. What about the fellowship with him? Yes, and that's why he uses the word abide. And we're going to see how that ties in there. Look at uh, John fifteen five. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me... And I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he goes, it says in verse 4, abide in me, and I in you. And so the word, the key word there is abide, and it's talking about communion and fellowship. So let me just say this. As far as eternal life salvation is concerned, John uses the term believe, and anytime he talks about believe, he's talking about eternal life salvation in the gospel of John. Anytime he uses the word abide, he's talking about fellowship. And so in John 15, listen to this. I'm the true vine, my father's the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he, he lifts up. He prunes so it may bear fruit. You're already clean. Abide in me. Then he says in verse 5, abide, I abide in me, abide in me. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me. Verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. So he uses the word abide 10 times in this little section. So what's he dealing with in this section? Salvation or fellowship? fellowship. And he's saying, if you connect with me in fellowship, you're going to produce fruit. You're going to be a fruitful believer because that's what we want. So here's what we're going to be talking about because he's the vine and we're the what? Branches. Branches. Okay. So here's what we think about. So what is fruit and growth? How do we grow and produce fruit? 
Why should we produce fruit? And what is the result of abiding in this communion? Now, what's going to happen this morning, and I'm going to go fairly quickly, but we're going to see the first two, like what is fruit and how do we grow and produce fruit? And then next week, we're going to look at why, why should we, and what's the results, and we'll see how that ties together. So let's start with the very first question. What is fruit? What is growth? Uh, Edgar James, he's a a, a guy who's had an article about the vine and the branches. He says this, Fruit refers to any work of the Spirit of God in the believer's life. It includes witnessing, teaching, shepherding, and the results of God's character being formed. What he's really saying is fruit is when somehow we serve God and he uses us. So when we think about fruit, let me give you three things. Fruit could be reproducing yourself, meaning that you led somebody to Christ. You talked to somebody and they trusted Christ and somebody would say, well, that's fruitful. You You just produce fruit in one sense. Second thing is living like Christ. The fruit of the, what? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. So there is that aspect of when you live like Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're producing a fruitful life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, those things. And then a third thing of producing fruit is doing good. When you do good deeds, when you love one another, when you, when you do all the things, there's like 55 places in the New Testament that says one another. And it's like love one another, build up one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, you know, just places all over. And so when we're doing the good deeds, that's dealing with loving one another, and that's producing fruit as well. So let me give you some verses there for the salvation aspect. In Romans 1.13, Paul says he wants to come to Rome so that he might have fruit among them. And I think in the flow of the passage, he's talking about that he would lead people to Christ, and they, they would, that would be fruitful. We know that in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it lists the fruit of the Spirit. That's being Christ-likeness. And then in Colossians 1, 10, he actually says, bearing fruit in every good work. So the bottom line is, when you say, what is fruit, and we want to produce fruit, it could be that you led somebody to Christ. It could be that you're living out the fruit of the Spirit in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, that kind of thing. And it could be that as you do good deeds, as you do good things in the name of Jesus Christ, that you're producing fruit. So that's, that's being fruitful. Now, so that raises the second big question. This one's going to take most of the time this morning, and we'll stop when we get through with this part. And, and if listen, if you have a question... As we go through this, God, I'm going to raise some issues, some things here. And uh, I mean, in, in grow groups, sometimes we don't say this because it's such a big group. But if, if I'm teaching, if you got a question or a comment or something, uh, you know, as long as it's not going to hurt my feelings. But anyway, uh, if, if you do have a question or comment, just, I mean, stop me and let's, let's talk about it because that's, that's our goal. And of course, when you get in your grow group as well, you've got the facilitators there and they know the, know the truths and they can help you there as well. So here's the next big question. How do we produce fruit? And how do we grow? And how does God do all this? And so we're going to look at three things. We're going to realize that Jesus Christ is the true vine, the one that produces growth. He's the vine, okay? Remember how he says, I'm the true vine. The second thing is we need to understand how God deals with the branches because we're the branches, right? He's the vine, we are the branches. He is the head, we are the body. He is the the groom, we are the, the bride, okay? He is that great high priest, we are the... So we've been seeing all these things, and now we're talking about vine and branches. And so we talk about abide in Christ results in growth. So let's start with this. Realize 
Jesus Christ is the true vine, the one that produces growth. Look at chapter uh, chapter 15. I think I got them right here. Yeah, look at verse 1. I'm the true vine, and my father's the vine dresser. So he starts off by saying, the father's over the whole thing. Then I'm the true vine. And then a little bit later, he's going to say with the branches. He talks about the branches in verse 2, but he says, every branch in me does that. But the bottom line, then get down to verse 5 again. He says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Now, that's a famous verse, and that's what ties this whole thing together. He's the vine with the branches. If you've ever th- seen the, the idea, there's this, this vine that comes out, and there are all these little branches that come off of the vine is where the grapes are, because you know, he's using the vineyard aspect. And in fact, uh, when, you, when you really look at this, Jesus is with his men, upper room, and they've had the Lord's Supper. He's washed their feet. He's done everything. And now they're on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And most likely, he may have stopped at a vineyard and said, I'm the true vine. My father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me, and he starts teaching this. So he, they're not in the upper room because verse 14, chapter 14 ends by them saying, let's get up and let's go out from here. So they're not still in the room. They're walking on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, and most likely, he goes by a vineyard and stops and says, Look at this. Let me, let me teach you something about vines and branches. Which they knew how vines and branches were. They knew how to produce grapes. They knew how to do that. But he's going to teach them. And he says, you know what? I'm the true vine. And you are the branches. So the source of growth actually comes from the vine, right? And we, what are we? we? We're not the source. We're not the strength. God's going to use us. He's going to... You go through us to produce. This is the thing we got to understand. Whenever you say, I want to live for God, I want to serve God, it's not you. It's you, You've got gifts, talents, and abilities, and strengths, and personalities, and everything else, and he takes the total you, but he goes through you and uses who you are for his honor and glory. And that's why when you read John, he writes a certain way. When you read Paul, he writes a certain way. When you read Luke, he writes a certain way. When you read First and Second Samuel, it's a certain way. God took those people, especially the authors, to write this stuff down, and he used their personalities, their character, everything. And when you look at their lives, Peter lived one way, Paul lived another way. Philip lived one way, I mean, Andrew lived. I mean, they all, they're all different people, and yet God works through them. And so guess what? We're a branch, and he's the vine. And he's the source of the strength, and it comes through him. And so that's the bottom line. Now, this next part is going to be um, a little bit unique. Let's understand, and, and I've taught this before because we've done the Gospel of John, so most of you have heard this, but let's understand how God deals with the branches and produces the fruit, okay? I want you to understand there are different levels of fruit, meaning that some believers produce more than others, Okay? Now, there are some people who will say something like, well, I didn't see any fruit in their life, so they must not be a... Now, I mean, that's how stupid of a statement could anybody make. First of all, you, you can't see whether they're producing fruit or not. You don't know their thoughts. You don't know what they do. You don't follow them around 24 hours a day. You don't watch whether they help somebody. What if they did something early at 6 o'clock in the morning, you didn't see them to 8 o'clock, and you say, I don't see any fruit in their life, and they say, you weren't with me at 6 o'clock, Right? So you can't look at a person and decide. Who decides what's, what's being produced? And, and, and God does. He does. Okay, now, so let's think about this. There are different levels. Are you ready for this? In this passage, we're going to find that there's no fruit and fruit and more fruit and much fruit. 
Which would you like to be? Much fruit, right? You know, a lot of people are no fruit. And when they are no fruit, some people actually say, they must not be Christians. I don't see anything. Well, first of all, you can't see it anyway. But if you could see it, uh, if, even if they don't produce any fruit, that doesn't mean they're not a believer, right? Because they're a branch connected in who? In the vine, yeah, yeah. So watch this. We'll talk about it. So there's no fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Now, I'm going to show you that um, sometimes our English Bibles, sometimes they translate things differently than maybe they probably should have. Let me show you what I mean. Chapter 15, uh, chapter 15 verse 2, we're going to start off with the, the, the no fruit, okay? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And then he goes on and says, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so it bears more fruit. So in that one verse, you have no fruit, fruit, and what? More fruit. We haven't got too much fruit yet. That's a little further down the list. Okay, so he starts off and says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. What does that mean? What does that mean? I have people say that if you're not producing fruit, he, he takes you away. He takes you, you're not his anymore. You're not a believer. Uh, it just proves you weren't a believer, and so he, he takes you away, and he sends you to hell. Well, first of all, the word actually in the Greek is not take away. It's arao, the Greek word which means to lift up. It should be translated, and some of, our, some of our translations actually translate it correctly. It says, in every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. Now, what does he mean by that? Let me show you this. I'm just going to put this up there. The word lift up could be the idea of remove, take off the face of the earth, because maybe they've got so much sin in their life that he removes them. Can, can God remove a believer who's living um, a sinful life? What's that called? Sin unto death? Have you heard? Let me ask you something. How many have heard of sin unto death? Yeah? Okay, if you hadn't, listen. You can sin as a believer and stay out of fellowship and keep doing wrong, and he continues to discipline you. And in 1 John, he actually says there's a sin unto death that God could take you home. That has nothing to do with losing salvation. He takes you off this earth because you're not doing anything for him. In fact, you're in rebellion against him. That could happen. Paul, John writes and says, there is a sin unto death, but do not pray that for somebody. No. You don't want to pray that God will take somebody home because they're living bad. You, you pray, really, that he does what? He lifts them up. Now, the other word for lift up, that the other aspect of lifting up means to lift them up and, and get them in a place that they can start growing. And let me tell you something. If you know anything, and I, I don't know anything except what I've read about growing the grapes and the vines and everything, sometimes the vines... And the branches would get on the ground. When they get on the ground, they can't produce anything. And so that somebody, he would come along and he would lift them up and tie them up, get them off of the ground so they can produce. I think he's saying in this passage, every branch of me that's not producing fruit, I'm going to lift it up. I'm going to get it to a point. And sometimes he removes things. Sometimes he gets us into places. Uh, I'll just, I'm going to say this. I was, I was not living for Christ. When I started coaching at Mississippi State, I was 23 years old. I'd been a Christian when I was 19. I was 23, then 24 years old. I was not growing as a Christian. I was not living uh, as a Christian. And he brought some things into my life in a sense. He lifted me up. And then we're going to see in a little bit later, he pruned me and got me to a place where I started growing and producing. 
He does that for us. So I think the first thing is a person who's not producing fruit, God's going to lift them up. And then notice what he says, because here's the second thing. Every branch of me that does not, does not bear fruit, they're not doing it, he's lifting up. And then every branch that is bearing fruit, what does he do? Y'all looking at the passage? He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So here's the second thing. To bear more fruit is to prune it. Now, we know what pruning is, right? I don't know anything because I don't grow anything. And if I touch things, they die. So I, I gene grows everything, not me. But a pruning thing I understand is like this thing. You, like suckers, you've got to get that out of the way because you've got to get the things that aren't going to help you so that the good stuff can produce, right? And so sometimes in our lives, he lifts us up and then... He brings things in our lives and prunes us so that we can grow and get better. So he, he may remove something from us. He may take anything away that's stopping us from growing. That's why in Hebrews 12, he says, Seeing that we're surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily entangle us. He's saying, you better get the stuff out of your life that's slowing you down. Well, sometimes God's going to get that stuff out of your life for you. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. In my life, it was really good. There were some things that, that were just not good, and he, he helped me get out of, of some of that. And then I began to grow, and I began to study the Bible, and he put me in some good situations, and he changed my, he changed my life because he pruned me. And, uh, and, and sometimes in our lives, he does that. And notice what he says. Every branch in me, there's the no fruit. He lifts up, and then every branch that's bearing fruit, what is he going to do? He's pruning it so that it can do what? There's more fruit. So there's the more fruit. They're pruned. And the whole idea is abiding. Remember, look at verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. Branch can't root. You can't bear any fruit of yourself unless it abides in the vine. You can't unless you abide in me. He actually says, you know, when you look out there and you see the vine and the branches and the ones that aren't abiding, if the branch got broke off somehow, it's dead. It's not going to produce anything. But the ones that are connected... Those are the ones that can bear fruit. So he's got one more, and that's the much fruit. And that's abiding, continually abiding results in much fruit. Look what he says. I'm the, verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he can bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we got to realize that we can't produce anything apart from him, and we got to stay in connection with him. And what's the word that he talks about in this passage that is connecting with him and staying in fellowship with him? What's the word? Abiding. If you abide in him, stay in fellowship with Christ, you're going to go from no fruit to fruit to more fruit to much fruit. And so think about your life. Where are you in this thing? Are you a branch that's not abiding? And that he's looking at you and he says, you don't have to lift you up. Or are you a branch that's being lifted up and he says, you know, I'm going to have to prune you and you're going to produce, you're going to produce a little fruit. But if I prune you and take some things out of your life to help you grow, you're going to produce more fruit. And then if you keep abiding with me, guess what? You're going to get what? Much fruit. That's what it's all about. You could say fruit, more fruit, much fruit. You remember the, do you remember the, um, parable of the sower and the guy goes out and he throws the seed and bird comes along and eats it that's not a believer okay and then you got the 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 next two or the next three they uh you know the next the next one get, gets gets it takes off and then that has no root not grounded so it doesn't grow or produce anything then the next one gets in the 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 
you know, all the stickers and everything and it can't grow. Those are the no fruit people. There are a lot of no fruit people. But do you remember the other one? It says it lands in the good soil and it produces what? What did it say? 30, 60, 100. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. They tie together those passages. That parable ties together with Jesus' teaching here. So here's the question. Where are you? No fruit? Fruit? More fruit? Much fruit. If you're no fruit, he's going to lift you up. That lifting up could mean he takes you home. You don't want that. It could mean he lifts you up and he starts getting you in the positions and then, and then you begin to start doing the little things and you begin to do, produce fruit and then he says, you know what? You're producing fruit, so I'm going to prune you. There's some things in your life that need to go and there's some things in your life that need to come and I'm going to prune this around and get you so you can produce more fruit. And then as you're producing more fruit, he said, I want you to make sure you steal the what? Abiding with me because when you abide with me, you can produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can't do anything. You can do nothing, bottom line. So, yes, Jonathan. Uh, could you address uh, verse 6, where he cast them into fire? I, I would. It's not part of our passage or anything we want to talk about. It, let me, let me uh, uh, he, a believer that is not producing fruit, the part, the, basically the non-fruit is all burned up. It's like standing before the judgment seat of Christ and he says your works will be tested and some will be gold, silver, and precious stones. Some will be wood, hay, and straw. And if it's wood, hay, and straw, what happens to it? It's burned up. This passage is not saying that if you don't produce fruit, he's going to cast you and you'll be burned up. He's not talking about eternal life. This passage is not talking about salvation. What's it talking about? Fellowship. So we look in the passage, that passage is basically saying people who don't produce fruit, their their works, you might say, are burned up, and there's no rewards there. Does that help? Yeah, you. Yeah, okay. Uh, let me get back to. So, no fruit lifts up. Fruit prunes. More fruit, you keep abiding, and you produce much fruit. So it's powerful. Now, here's the last one. We said Jesus is the true vine; He's the source. Understand how God deals with us, and abiding in Christ results in the growth. Notice again, verse four: Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit unless, uh, of itself unless it abides in the vine. Can the branch produce anything if it's broken away from the vine? No. He says, so neither can you. Then he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If he who abides in me, present tense, by the way, the one who is abiding in me and I in him, he bears, present tense again, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is what he's teaching. He's saying, apart from him, you can do nothing. And so here's our question. Are we abiding? Let me look at what Jonathan, the next verse says. If anyone does not abide in me, guess what? If you're broken off as a branch, you're not abiding, you're not producing fruit, they're thrown away as a branch. What they would do is when they'd come along and they'd say, oh, that branch is broken off from the vine. Let's gather him up. Okay, let's go, let's go burn them. He's not saying that God says, oh, this person's not producing, so I'm going to cast him in the fire, lake of fire. He's saying their works are going to be, since they're not producing anything, it's going to be what? They're just burned up. When you stand before Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says everyone's works will be tested by fire. Gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw. Well, a broken old little branch is a straw. It's going to be burned up. And I'm going to tell you, you know what that's going to mean? When you stand before Jesus Christ, he's going to say, not well done, my favorite one. Not well done. 
and we will be ashamed at his coming. So what have we seen? Let me look at the time. Okay, how do we produce fruit and grow? So Jesus is the source. Know how Jesus deals with the branches. That's what we've just seen. No fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. He, he lifts up, he prunes the abiding and more fruit. And then the, the goal is to abide in Christ because apart from him, you could do nothing. Listen, if you want to live for Christ and you want to produce fruit, and when you stand before Jesus, you want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, the only way you can do it is stay close to him and be in fellowship with him and abide in him and let him produce through you. So that means whatever you do for God, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. What? Do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, what? Glorify God in your body. How can you glorify God in your body? It's him through you. It's the only way. It's the only way. So it's powerful. Next time, the other two questions. Why produce fruit? And what is the result of abiding and, and the communion, what is the result? So here, here's the question. We sort of answered it, haven't we? Why would you produce fruit? He's going to give you a surprise answer. But we all say, well, we want to produce fruit so that when we stand before him, we won't be ashamed and those kind of things. But he, he actually says there is a benefit now, not just in the future, not just when you stand before him and he says, well done, there is benefit now of abiding in Christ and producing fruit. And you'll have to come back next week if we're going to get it. It's, it's, it's really good. So let me give you some applications real quick. Let's have an understanding of biblical fruit. What is it? It could be leading someone to Christ. It could be fruit of the Spirit. It could be doing good deeds. The second thing is, there we go, let's grow as believers. And uh, re realize this. If this thing will work, here we go. There, realize that Jesus Christ is the source he is the vine. We are the what? The branches. That's right. He's the vine. We are the branches. We, he's the one. And we got to be connected with him. And just, just know how God deals with believers. If there's no fruit, he lifts up. If there's fruit, he prunes. If there's more fruit, he's a, he says, keep abiding, keep on, keep on abiding, and then there'll be much fruit. And just remember this, that make every effort to abide in Christ. All he's really saying is, stay in fellowship with me, and you'll produce fruit. And you'll be, you'll be happy. And things will go great. Uh, you stay out of fellowship with me, I could take you home. And what you're producing is absolutely nothing, so it's all going to be burned up. So when you stand before me, do you want to have it all burned up, or do you want to hear me say, well done? So salvation is relationship and can never change. Communion, fellowship, it... it uh, it can change because you can get out of fellowship. You cannot be connected. You can stop abiding. And so the goal for us is to buy.